You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series. Assault Studios production. If at first you don't succeed, try again. That's true of Chef Kimberly Tang's experience. After being knocked back from dinner by Heston Blumenthal, she tried again later and her attitude got her the job. In this episode, Kimberly talks us through her career and explains why she felt she needed to have a nursing degree too. Kimberly, after you finished your apprenticeship, you must have impressed some people around Crown because you naturally found yourself working in a number of the restaurants there. It's a, a pretty positive sign. Yeah, definitely. Um, some of my alumni that I'm working with right now say that, unfortunately, my face is still posted on the wall at Crown. <laughs> what were some of those opportunities that you found straight after your apprenticeship? I was lucky enough that my training lead at Crown actually recommended me for a job at dinner by Heston. So I went for a trial there, but they had said that they're not really looking for apprentices right now and they needed more of a commie or a cook. So I went back to my training lead and said that this is the advice they gave me. They gave me a choice to come back next year when I've finished. But my training lead luckily allowed me to finish up a bit earlier by doing a bit more work outside of school. And I finished up in the following month. During that time before you finished up, what were you doing? So I was rotating through like Mesh, Number 8 by John Lawson, Crown Conferencing and events. And I was working at Nobu for about nine months before I transitioned here. So in terms of the step up going from an apprentice into a place like Naboo, what's the difference in terms of responsibilities on yourself and the things that you need to achieve within that role? I was still an apprentice at Nobu but they didn't necessarily treat us like one. Like we were also pushed to put out specials or create new elements of dishes, make sure like our ordering is done, our HACCPs are done, things like that. All right, so after about a year, you went back to dinner by Heston. What happened this time? I graduated from my apprenticeship and I got a job as a cook and a commie at dinner by Heston. Working there was high pressure, high intensity, unlike anything I've ever seen before, like a world-class kitchen, a Michelin-starred kind of food that is already established in London. It was challenging as a young chef. They would have been inundated with people wanting to work for Heston and his organisation. What is it about you, do you think, that made them say yes? It was attitude them knowing that oh, I wouldn't necessarily be the strongest chef at that time, but they could easily shape me into someone that would stay and would know a lot the ins and outs of how the dishes work or how to just be a team player in the section. There's a strong, strong focus on teamwork. That seems a bit of a theme running throughout your life so far is that you go into situations or opportunities with arms wide open saying, I'm here to learn, you tell me and I'll take it on board. Uh, Is that a good piece of advice you could hand over to students coming through that they just need to be completely open, they don't need to go in with any expectation or uh, anything like that. It's just that you are there to learn and by virtue of learning, you'll become a better chef, a better person and your career will naturally take care of itself. Yes, I mean, it is all about having, like, going of an open mind, but having an open mind also requires 
you researching about the place, you studying their food, having that pre-knowledge that allows you to excel in that. At the end of the day, knowledge is power. So you need to be able to impress them by being confident that, yes, you don't know anything, but you are trying. Mm. So what were some of the things that they were asking of you in order for you to demonstrate that you'd done your due diligence? Looking through their cookbooks, watching the shows, just making sure that their systems are followed. So they have a very particular way of running a kitchen where everything is by the book, everything is recipes. There's photos of everything that you can go through and make sure that everything's perfect so that every time, no matter who does it, as long as you can read a recipe, you can achieve the same result. How did you know that it was getting to a point where you needed to make your next move? Well, I don't know if you (laughs) saw the news, but it was uh, put into liquidation due to the underpayment of staff. So we were all long timers there. Like I was there for three years, but there was a lot of uh, high turnover, but there was also a lot of people that would stay for five years, seven years. So what happens next then? You go in one day, you've got a job, the next day you don't. What's your next move? Before this was happening, I was already thinking about going to UK to do a working holiday visa and I had everything ready. I had my visa done, flights bought and everything ready to go. But then obviously the liquidation happened and then again the pandemic happened. Yeah, I was in UK for two weeks or so and then I came back because I was like, if I don't come back now, I'll probably won't. Yep. I'll probably be stuck, stuck here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk in hypotheticals then. When you're over in the UK, what did you want to go over and achieve? Who did you want to work for? And how are you going to go about it in a perfect world? In a perfect world, I would work in two to three star Michelin restaurants, mostly in London. I would want to do like work under Sat Baines. He's one of the chefs I really really, really like his style of food. Or... Is it a, a case of just lobbing on the doorstep there and saying, I want to work for you, I'm prepared to do what it takes? Or is there a process that you need to conduct in order to go to another country and find a job in a kitchen? Uh, there is a process. I already had emailed three restaurants to set up trials before I had even arrived. And I did have them all lined up. You go, you go for the trial, you prove yourself like worthy kind of thing. And then... And how long is a trial and is it paid work and and what happens there? It's usually unpaid. It's usually a day's work and you're like just being there with the team, cooking, prepping, maybe doing service. It really depends on the restaurant. Some people could be like, oh, cook us a dish, something like that. And then you'd have to just make do of what is in the fridge. If you did go and do it, what were the sort of things you'd be looking to learn that you can't get from Australia? I think even just the mentality that, like, European chefs have, like, they live and breathe it, you know? Um, It's interesting you mentioned passion for chefing and for the industry. You've obviously got that, but there is another element to you which um, kind of deviates from that a little bit as well because you've recently gone off and got yourself a nursing degree. Why did you feel the need to do that? Coming back from UK and having like a three-month break, I didn't really want to just do nothing, even though I had been working back-to-back since I was like 15 or so. I did want a break, but I also wanted... I think a break from cooking and seeing if if I did something else, would I still love it as much or 
having a backup plan in case another pandemic happens or in case I'm out of a job again or being able to help out um, in something that's completely different in the field I'm currently in. How did you realise in that that um, cooking was, again, where you needed to be and, and not going down the medical path? Even though I was studying full-time at RMIT doing the nursing degree, I was still back to normal and I had a full-time cooking job. I had a, like a part-time cooking job and I had a casual cooking job and I was still doing like competitions in cooking and my world and the friends and the people around me still revolved around food. So even though it was great to be a bit more multifaceted and multi-skilled, I found myself always wanting still to go back into cooking. It's clearly working for you and I want you to be a little bit self-indulgent right now because you've won a number of awards and they're very, very impressive. Just talk to me about that, uh, the process of uh, applying or are you nominated, the stress it might cause, the achievement you feel in winning those awards. Just talk to me about some of the awards and, and the process behind it. Last year I won uh, the 2021 Nestle Golden Chef's Hat. So that's a competition for junior chefs under the age of 25. And you have to apply. And if you get chosen, you have to cook off first in your own state. So I cooked off in Victoria. Last year's criteria was you had to cook a main and a dessert. And it was a solo team. The previous years, there was a team of two. So last year was a main and a dessert. You cooked off against other Victorian chefs and if you pass that you represent your region so then I represented Victoria and I went and competed against the rest of Australia and um, the two islands of New Zealand. It was an intense competition that was took a lot of practice and training. Imagine. So in terms of winning awards what does that do for your career progression? It helped me a lot with like PR and publicity and media and having that title in your resume as well as like the Golden Chef of 2021 for under 25s is a good basis to have. <laughs> you also, in other years, the like the prize would be you traveling to Italy or you traveling to um, South Africa and doing like food tours, safaris, uh, masterclasses, eating out in like the best top restaurants and also some work experience but they have changed it to cash prizes now so that has also helped with like furthering my culinary advancement. We see a lot of famous chefs uh, on social media, TV shows, talking about sustainable food practices and how important it's becoming. Do you agree with that and what do you think some of the emerging sustainable practices are in the hospitality food industries? I think it is emerging definitely with the move more to customers wanting vegetarian or vegan food. If you don't cater to that, you will get left behind. It's also about understanding that, yes, climate change is real and climate change is happening and we can't keep doing what we're doing because it's not working. I think a lot of people right now are moving towards like the whole head-to-tail ethos where no they can't necessarily cut out meat entirely but you know that they're not just using the prime cuts of it making sure that there is nothing that you could use that goes into the bin or else 
that's not only a loss for the planet but a loss for the company for money in terms of sustainable practices like sourcing locally sourced produce and making sure like you don't use too much like things like glad wrap and baking paper and even backpacking you know backpack bags they are probably the worst one because it's plastic and you can only use it once so all that single use is probably we're moving away from that how does that make you feel in terms of the security of your own career there are many many options in cooking like you don't just have to be a chef until you're 50 anymore you know you could be going into food technology where you can work with the sustainability sector and try and solve that you could be in consulting where you could help small businesses start up so there are options wonderful thank you very much for having a chat with me kimberly tang i appreciate it thank you According to Kimberly, things like backpacks or single-use plastics are on the way out in the kitchen as the industry moves towards sustainable practices. And that's great to hear. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.